it's the type of activism that I do. So I educate um, white people about understanding racism, understanding their responsibility in the fight for equality, what they need to do, because we're sitting with a big divide in terms of the uh, wealth gap in South Africa, which means that even after apartheid, white people still hold all the money, all the social and economic power, and they don't want to let go of that, and so it becomes difficult to get them to play their part in transforming the, the country. So I then come in and I play um, the mediator in dialogue um, to get them to understand where we're coming from, where we are and where we need to go and what their role is in that whole process. White people has a role, but it's not one that actively give them power to be in position to decide what it is. Um, yeah, even black things is still prevalent in South Africa and in my head, which is very frustrating because I um, I find still stereotypes in my own brain. Because um, so essentially, white people, their, their role currently is to be the supporting act, if you want to take it as that. So as a supporting act, you're not there to be on the front line. You're not there to take the shine. You don't hold the script as the lead in this act. But whenever we need you, you need to be there. So that that's basically what white people need to do and understand their role. But how I got into the work was I, I was brought up during apartheid. So there was a lot of racism. Um, I didn't even know what racism was. It's just something that was given over to us. And we grew up very white, uh, in white neighborhoods, white schools, there was segregation. Yeah. So in 10 years ago, I attended a process book seminar um, on, and the, the, uh, the subject was race in South Africa. And I had so, at the end of the first day, I was quite irritated because they spoke about um, white privilege and whatever, and also deep democracy, which says that every voice should be heard. I thought, well, I also have a voice in a small group at the end of the day, and I will tell them how irritated I am because I kept talking about the struggle, and I also struggle. I've had quite a difficult life privilege in some ways but really with health and people dying and you know close family members and so on it's if for example you're in a store and a black person is being uh, racially abused um we expect the white people to then come to that person's defense and not as a a, a superiority complex as a savior but as an ally that is helping somebody that is being treated unfairly and unjust and unkind. From a local perspective, we want people who benefited from apartheid to acknowledge the fact that they benefited from apartheid. And then secondly, we then expect them to take their acknowledgement, learn and understand what that injustice looked like, what it is, what it was, and then apply it to their lives and contribute for the rest of their remainder on earth of their full life, everything that they can to empower black people 
again, not as their savior, but as an ally that really wants to contribute to making right what has been done wrong in the past. Yeah, it's, it was a difficult time. So I said to them, struggle, what struggle we all struggle, which of course was the wrong thing to say in a room full of black people and English liberals, because I, I had no idea. So they wanted me to not come back the second day, but I had paid for this. Um, for the seminar and so I went back the next day and all of my small group uh, participants just stood up and said should we allow this horse in this horse is so hurtful and so on so I realized they were talking about me and then I went about the oh oh but the previous night about I didn't sleep it's called process work because you process overnight so I didn't sleep and about one o'clock at night in that one o'clock that morning of the second day, I processed white things. And I just realized how white privilege opened doors for me. The UK uh, or Europe who was the conquerors of Africa and South Africa specifically. And then suddenly when um, the nation became more formalized, um, Europe decided to also formalize the relationship to a point where we became less than a brother, even though we were the slaves for so long that built the country to the wealth that it has today. Uh, a lot of the African countries contributed heavily to that. And um, the expectation is that, for example, there should be a greater um, responsibility placed, for example, on white Europe to pay back um, in the restitution, a lot of what was taken out of our country in the form of resources um, and um, materials that was taken through the capitalist system and the oppressive system of colonialism. I went about the room and spoke to as many black people as I could and I just got their story. And it was, sto it was flabbergasted at the suffering that was um, Obviously, with um, Africa and South Africa specifically, Corruption is a big thing, big problem. Um, um, so it has become more um, preferred for international countries to deal directly with um, organizations in the form of um, partnerships and things like that without a expectation of return. Because when they exploited us through colonialism, there was no return. Some of the most violent spaces um, in international um, countries that you will find, which is museums, because those are the relics that was taken from countries like ours and um, then put on display as trophies. Um, and it's called history, it's called art, it's called all these things, but at the end of the day, it was. It was violently taken from somebody who was not a willing giver. Um, and, and therefore, it's, 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 it's one of those violent spaces that you enter. How do we restore that type of um, oppression? So, by that stage, I was so tired and so bummed with all the stories that I heard that I just started crying. But it was a mourning, you know, that came mm. from in me because I knew it's my thing for me that, that and 
what is the effect on this covers in his thesis and he was just died. Um, blank, you can see he was dead inside because he'd never been able to. And then afterwards, there was like a line of black women who came and helped him and comforted him in need. You know, I mean, it's been that tough day and that thing. Yeah, and, 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 and a lot of people who benefited from that, some of them still alive today um, and, and still living um, from the proceeds of what happened. So when do we start holding people accountable for, 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 for that type of thing and even intergenerational wealth? So the, the, the oppression and uh, colonial um, rewards that is transferred from one generation to another. When we look, for example, uh, to a country like Germany, who has done significantly uh, well in um, doing the restorative work of giving back um, to the um, families and survivors of the Holocaust. So um, I think those are some of the things that we need to look at. It's lost because we have alternative histories some that supersedes the original history, which is, for example, if you go into the real history, Africa is where the originating of the humans, the human beings as it was, originated in Africa. So if you follow that narrative, then essentially everybody is linked to Africa, everybody's connected to Africa. Um, and what alternative histories does is you find that, for example, you will speak to people in, in, in London or England that has no knowledge of how they became this powerful nation and who looks down on people from Africa who cannot fend for themselves because history has taught them that these are peasants and we are the superior nation but they don't understand actually what the relationship was and how they actually became to be who they are. So that is some of the things that obviously has already been lost because of um, false histories that was um, reinforced in people's socialization growing up. So we, we tend to always struggle to get people to believe that our version is a real one. Um, and even, and, it, and it's not just an international problem. I mean, you've seen how the media and um, those with social power has the ability to shape a narrative regardless of what the real story is. <laughs> they can just do it because they have the power. Process. He was not able to process what had happened to his uncle. So, in the middle of this mourning and this crying, the facilitator just said to me, he's nervous. And I was like, speak, what can you say? Do I say, I'm sorry, I know it's my people who did this to that man. And there's absolutely what gave them the right to, to do this. I have nothing to say. Um, we also struggle with that in South Africa, where we are trying to educate young white people to understand the history of where we come from. Um, because their argument is more often than not I did not live during those times, so I don't feel I'm responsible for that. And yet they live off the proceeds of that actions. 
So I say you can't have it both ways. So if you want to be ignorant, um, you have to be ignorant and broke. You can't be, be ignorant and rich because that rich just comes from a place where you have to acknowledge where it comes from. Well, people are difficult to change their minds. They think they are aware and they really not aware. It's difficult. Um, mm -hmm. Let's start like with that. It, it's, it's a difficult question because one, I can list a group of people who decided that regardless of what the consequences will be, because they knew in their hearts of hearts that this was an injustice system, that this was the unfair that was being done to black people, that they refused to follow the rules of those systems. And obviously those people were persecuted. Um, they didn't enjoy the same privileges as our, all the other white people. So when we measured up to that, are we saying that those people are superhuman because they were willing to do that? Um, and how do we then take the ones who, while being disgusted with uh, what was happening, still continued with the system with self-preservation in mind, keeping themselves um, uh, intact? Um, and then you have to, you have to balance that out because in my opinion, um, a lot of people, for example, claims today, um, I actually just posted something yesterday on, um, on Facebook from, um, one of the people who are being revered in South Africa, um, as a white man who stood up, um, for justice. Uh, for black people, um, Bram Fisher. He was also the lawyer um, for Nelson Mandela in the treason trial when they were on, on, on trial. Um, and Bram Fisher basically made the statement that um, it is impossible for anybody to claim that apartheid was not what it was because they didn't recognize it. As that. And that's a lot what we get here. A lot of white people say, ah, I didn't know what's happening. We were not brought up that way and our family was different. And, and Bram Fisher says, as a white man living in South Africa, it was impossible for you to claim that you didn't know what was happening. Um, so based off all of that information, I think it's better to acknowledge um, as a person and this is where um, true reconciliation begins. When somebody is willing to acknowledge their, their flaws and their, um, I'm looking for the right word, their um, responsibility. This conversation that we need to have, it's a conversation of, of intense honesty. And then from there on out, we can deal with the fact that Yes, the system was oppressive, even to some that was against it. Um, and for them to um, continue just being part of this country, they had to follow the rules, which is a valid argument to make. But it doesn't undo the fact that you were unfairly and unduly favored ahead of somebody else. 
So you still had all the privilege. You still had all that stuff. Even though, remember, um, um, Steve Beaker, which is one of our biggest uh, uh, activist scholars from uh, the apartheid era, who spoke out against the government, said, um, there's a lot of white people who disagrees with the system, and there's a lot of white people who would physically oppose the system, but they will do so without giving up their privilege. And, and those people would do liberals, and we have a lot of them living in this world today, but it wasn't acceptable. So from Biko's opinion, you were just as guilty as the one killing black people physically, because your actions didn't help us at all. So, yeah, that actually formed a very big part of the background of all of my generation. Mm. Um, and there was a lot of trauma that needs to be discussed. Me personally, um, I think there's room for everybody around the table, as long as you understand your own, leave your self-absorbed ignorance and superiority at the door. So are there still issues? Oh my word, yeah. It's rife, you know, the issue of racism. So you have to have the conversations, but you have to facilitate it very well so that people can come into a safe space when they share themselves. Look. As far as replacing what was in place, um, so replacing the flag with from the apartheid national flag, um, it offers us a shift in visual representation from where we were to where we are today. And I think that is the basic answer for everything else changing street names, changing buildings. And what I found was it's not very significant because at the end of the day, when you look at it, you can change all these names and you can change the flag and all these symbols as a form of window dressing for the world and for white people because they support that. But in essence, all of that means nothing if black people are still being oppressed and suffering. And when you look at this country, we've changed the flag, changed the government, We've changed the building, street names, all of that. Black people are still suffering. So what is the significance of changing all of that? So might as well have stayed the same. Because all we're saying now is that we are a transformed society. But what did we transform? If not the lives of people that was suffering under the system that we have transformed from. So, um, and obviously there's lots of reasons why, but I mean, in essence, those are merely what it is referred to as, which is symbols. It does not represent anything more than that as transformation. 
Um, for example, you will find that um, our national anthem, four languages, white people sing the loudest in the Afrikaans part and they, they know, they don't, don't know the Tosa, the Zulu, or the Pedi that's put in there. They don't know it, can't pronounce it. They don't attempt to sing it properly. They don't learn to do it properly because that's not important to them. It's an indication that you can change the system or you can change the aspects of the system. But as long as the system still runs and functions seamlessly, it doesn't make a difference. This is, this is an example. South Africa is an example of trying to break down um, the system with the master's tools. I know a guy who was, he drove a tank, a military tank. Mm. He's quite an artistic guy, very soft-spoken, very good heart, but a sensitive heart. And it absolutely destroyed him. But I spoke to a guy, a colored guy in that seminar, who was part of Mkonto Isiswe. I don't know if you know what that is. That was like the military part of the ANC. They fought. They were like branded as terrorists, but actually they were like freedom fighters, but the, it was the milit militant wing. Mm -hmm. and they were trained by Russia and so on. It was quite a strong thing. And if anybody in apartheid, if you were arrested as part of then you were tortured and made to give up your information that you had. You know? So, this one guy after apartheid ended, he came, I don't know if it was through the Youth and Reconciliation Commission or not, I don't remember, but he came, he met the general again who tortured him, the white general. And they came together and they both just decided, okay, it was war and the war is over. So, they can be friends now. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, there's been a lot of change. So there is hope. There's been a lot of change. Um, look, there's been significant changes over the last decade um, or three. Um, it has been hampered through corruption. Um, had it not been for corruption, we could have been better off. Um, so no, I have a lot of hope. I think that a lot of things are changing. I work with a lot of white people. Who, who got the message, they got the message. I mean, it's, it's in their hearts and their minds and their souls and they're fighting with me um, on this end to try and transform society. Not to the extreme that we want to see it, but the little bits that we see, we take. Um, there's been little movement in stifling the wealth of white people in South Africa and that we still need a big, big, um, contribution towards um, because what you find is because of the economic power they still dictate the system um, on how it functions, how it operates and when it goes. So having political power means very little um, if you don't have the social and economic power and the social and economic power still resides with white people in South Africa. So yeah, what I want people to understand is 
the only reason why white people would ever look like a superior nation or races or human beings among others, the only reason that that would ever have taken shape or come into existence is because another's existence and humanity was denied. And I need people to understand at the end of the day that when you deny somebody else their humanity, their dignity, um, that doesn't necessarily re turn into superiority for yourself. It makes you, you less human for acting in that way. Because I believe from a human perspective, we are more so drawn to be kind, loving, generous, um, caring people. I think that's our nature. That's the true nature of being human. And what we have come to adopt is this form of humanity that oppresses um, through violence um, and leaving people without dignity and removing their language, their heritage, their culture. So we've become very violent as a human uh, kind, a human race. Um, and that is no basis for claiming superiority. And I think it was at that stage that I just decided that to honor these people for the rest of my life, I want to do this work of bringing reconciliation, um, of telling the stories of the black people to white people, of bringing awareness to white people of the suffering of black people and bringing them to a place of not only behavioral change, but heart change, so that they... The only reason you see what you see about Africa, South Africa, um, and the narrative that you have shaped in your mind to be a reality, there's so much more that you don't know that will give you um, deeper insight into the type of brilliance that we are sitting with in this country.